sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match this. Here's how we practice. The last And this is Patrick Riccardi. This week, I forced Pat to do... Who's you can do? say, okay. Metal Circus versus Warehouse Songs and Stories. There. The last Who's Could Do episode will do uh, their third is... album versus their last album. I won't make you listen to the first two. I don't even listen to the first one ever, so... <laughs> it, uh, which album is the one you found them when I discovered them, mm-hmm. uh, Zen Arcade. Okay. Yeah. So. And that's right, like fifth, or is that fourth? Fourth, yeah. So right after this Metal Circus one. So we'll do Metal Circus first. Um, but we'll be interested to hear your thoughts about the differences in the albums. I kind of have a feeling which one you preferred. I, I'm kind of shocked that I liked Metal Circus. The the screaming was much less controlled. I mean, much more controlled than later screaming. <laughs> it was not as noisy. I, I liked Metal Circus. I don't think I liked it better. Yeah. But I was very surprised by how much I did like it, especially uh, It's Not Funny Anymore. Well, I oh, guess yeah. we'll talk about these songs in order, but yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's the best one. Yeah, so this was uh, 83, so the, this was the first inklings that they could do more than hardcore i guess um because they started putting some melody in and kind of it's basically invented alternative rock rather than uh just punk or hardcore or whatever Um, Mm -hmm. although it took a while before they really perfected it i guess but uh um yeah well a couple we'll, we'll talk about a few of the songs on it really the song, not that the other songs are bad, but these are the, like the major songs I feel like, and the ones I, I listen to. Um, sometimes I listen to the first of the last calls, which was a song that they wrote about the replacements, I guess, being drunks. Um, <laughs> uh, but some of them are just like I don't know, like towards the end, like out on a limb and lifeline, or just kind of ranty. There's not much to them. Um, but you could hear even in the lyrics, if you can make them out on uh, like real world and it's not funny anymore, they're kind of like fighting against hardcore orthodoxy uh, in a way, kind of breaking away um, from all the the rules of, of what their music is supposed to be and what they're supposed to think and everything. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised so- you liked it too, but... At at this point, was is it all Bob Mould or is, is it like what's nope. the creative? So no, okay, on this album, um, this is where Grant Hart. I mean, I think Grant Hart really opened it up uh, more than Bob Mould for to the melody because two of the songs uh, that we're going to talk about, "It's Not Funny Anymore" and "Diane," are Grant Hart songs. Okay. Um, so this probably the only time that Grant Hart dominated. <laughs> an album even though he only had two songs on it um they were definitely the strongest two songs i think um yeah yeah anyway uh yeah i'm surprised you you liked it as well although you're right like it's not as screamy right yeah and that's why i like about it. it's it's you're more controlled is and i think the way to put it musically it's kind of interesting like the the overall sound is like 
this kind of metallic, like not not heavy metal metallic, but like this metallic sounding guitar that's kind of discordant and mm-hmm. um, that they kind of got away from later and and just kind of use more noise, uh, you know, feedback and or distortion. But uh, but yeah, I think it's a I think it's an interesting rep- record, definitely like a a transitional record and it's really only an ep because it's like seven songs um but it's just as long as their previous album i think so which had like little 30 second songs on it (laughs) so at this point how big were they this this is before they hit anything this is just a kind of a local band or they were i mean they were a national band they i mean they toured they started touring before they even put out a record like touring the west coast and canada and stuff but um they were they were known in hardcore circles for sure and um critics liked them but uh i i mean if you read that book uh our band could be your life which is kind of about the indie rock scene in the 80s um even by zen arcade which like you know was like a really critical uh, smash and and big with fans um the, like grant hart was homeless and really Bob was like living in a basement giving guitar lessons to make rent and stuff so yeah i mean influential but you know at the time not not huge and, and there were like problems with the record company and stuff too that, like that they're still dealing with trying to get paid for their albums so <laughs> the still now they're dealing with with stuff from back then yeah it was like in in lawsuits and stuff yeah i don't even know if, how much uh lawsuits were involved like they basically so they signed with sst which was uh black flags label it was founded by black flags guitarist greg ginn and apparently he's super shady business wise and um and it, they said it was kind of like a handshake deal and stuff like there were n- not really contracts and things like that and so uh and apparently like they told stories of like when zen arcade came out and they were like going to do press for it they would like get to record stores to do signings and the record store wouldn't have any copies because they only pressed like so many copies of the album and it sold out within like a week oh wow and the label wouldn't print more it seemed like greg ginn was um a little jealous of the attention they were getting over black flag and so he was kind of being petty about it but um yeah so this was uh, i don't think they maybe near the end when they signed to warner brothers they made a little bit of money but i don't think they were ever making money off their their albums definitely like huh. touring oh okay yeah, yeah so this was uh yeah i don't like as far as how well it did i don't you know i don't think any of them any of their albums did well but i think it it got them critical attention for sure people right, noticed yeah. um and and yeah. when did you listen to this like you hit zen arcade when did you go back to listen to this yeah after um probably not until a couple of years later like i got then i got the next albums that came out like new day rising and flip your wig and mm-hmm. candy apple gray and then um and warehouse when it came out and then i think i didn't get metal circus till after that till oh wow okay yeah, i was like going back and trying to complete my but yeah um but by the time you got to the first two you just said i shouldn't have bothered 
Well, the the first one is just live, and like the songs are so hardcore, fast, and short that like if you buy it digitally, they don't even break them up. It's just like side <laughs> one and side two. It's I mean, it's really not. There's nothing there, and the second one has some good songs on it, a, a few, but there, it's also a lot of short blasts of noise. Um, I actually bought the second album was out of print because it was put out by Reflex Records, which was the Minutemen's label. They put it out. Um, no, no, shit, no, it was Husker Du's own label. Sorry, the Minutemen put out their first one originally or their first single. Um, yeah, so it was Husker Du's own label, Reflex Records. Um, they put it out, and it was like out of print. And I paid like fifty dollars for the album um Jeez. and this is when like that was a lot of money uh, <laughs> oh not now then <laughs> money bags and then a few well i mean 50 dollars was even more back then and then <laughs> like a few years later they rhino reissued it on cd and i was like super pissed <laughs> but i mean it's also good you know but i was like god damn and i also play, paid for the uh in a free land single, I paid $40 for, I remember, um, another one that was out of print really hard to find. And, uh, they included that on the reissue of the album. So I spent $90 and if I would have waited a few years, I could have spent 10. <laughs> so when you spend $90, who was getting that money? Was it like the record store? I would imagine cause they were used. Um, right. So yeah, so it's the, all... the artist wasn't getting it for sure. Well, yeah, but the record store was kind of overcharging. Well, I guess they were charging what, what they would get. Yeah, what the market would bear. Yeah. Um, capitalism, 101. <laughs> and then the record store got eaten by a bigger bear. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've all seen that cartoon. Let's go. Okay, so Real World, uh, the only Bob Mould song on this album that we picked. And, uh, and the worst song. Of the three? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I re I really like it. Um, it's definitely got the screaming. Uh, yeah. But it's not it's not the out of control screaming. I don't think like you're talking about um, of later years. But mm -hmm. it's definitely. Oh, what's that? It's it's still good. It's just not as I just didn't like it as much as the other two. Yeah, it's got uh well, like the the only really m melodic part comes in again when Grant Hart sings back up on the chorus, uh, like the you're still the same part. Uh, otherwise, it's Bob screaming, but it's it's definitely um, like I was saying before uh, against the hardcore rules. Like it, he's talking about um, people talking about anarchy and stuff, and and saying that's not a real way to live. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't work, and I'm not going along with that. Um, so, so how did hardcore fans react to this? Do they like it? I think increasingly hardcore fans probably starting with this album um they started calling them sellouts and whatever i mean <laughs> like grant grant hart grew his hair long and like was played drums barefoot so he kind of looked hippie-ish you know and and bob had like short hair and you know whatever like they didn't they didn't look the part so yeah more and more uh hardcore fans called which is crazy when you because even now you wouldn't say this is sellout music <laughs> No, a seven-song EP would not strike myself strike me as uh, music, especially with this kind of music. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I just like this one. It's like I think it's one of the first times that 
the anger was focused and like had a specific target and hit it. So uh, I I like this one. I, I can see why it's your least favorite. But uh, let's let's listen to it and people can decide for themselves. Uh, real world. best song on the album in my opinion it's not funny anymore and i mean it's it's pretty much a pop song yeah especially compared to that last one um (laughs) and it's got that cool guitar in the chorus which i don't know what it is harmonics or something um but it's just yeah it's about like another one about not playing by society's rules man i and i think aside from the production the production makes the vocals a little bit muddy i think yes aside from that it, it, it would easily fit in on a, on another kind of cd yeah no yeah. totally yeah um yeah the production all through their sst years was pretty bad because um, they had like a, an in-house producer and engineer that the label used um that they kind of forced on them and they when Flip Your Wig came out, they demanded that they produce it themselves, and that was the first time. Um, but, yeah, uh, they need to reissue this shit, and I really wish they would. Apparently, they're all talking to each other again now, so maybe that'll happen. But, like, if any band needs remastering treatment, it's them, because their <laughs> albums really sound bad. Um, I the, wonder the earlier if... When... Ones. When they signed with SST, SST, were they like excited because it was a big label and it was a big label with the other other artists running it? And then it turned out they got screwed, or they just didn't care. No, they were excited because they yeah. uh, they they were fans of Black Flag. Um, okay. I mean, Black <laughs> Flag was basically the first hardcore band, you know. And uh, they went like early on. They went to uh, a Black Flag. They like heard Black Flag was in town, and they like invited them to their show and like had a really crazy show to try to impress black flag and stuff. And, <laughs> uh, such a sad story. They got screwed over by their heroes. <laughs> yeah. Well, by all accounts, Greg Ginn is a massive asshole, um, which is why he's, he like did a black flag album a year or two ago. And it's like only him from the original <laughs> band, you know, and everyone loved it. Oh yeah. It did great. <laughs> um, yeah it's not funny anymore like i said it's it's got a melody like maybe for the first time on a who's could do album a, like a real melody that you can hum along to the vocals are great even though the production's bad mm-hmm. um 
just the whole it's like happy and bouncy kind of yeah <laughs> and it's got a good fuck you message so um how can you go wrong grant hart uh the grant hart the mccartney of the group i think you know he's more definitely more accessible his songs and uh and you do have to give him credit like i said this this album he kind of broke the mold like broke away from just ranting and and got more into melody so um, i forget when they broke up they they didn't talk for years is that right or is it how did it end yeah yeah they yeah. It, it was very acrimonious um it, i mean on the well, well i'll talk about it more on the warehouse thing actually and we'll get into okay. it again. um but yeah this is just a great song you got anything to add no i agree it's yeah great. let's play it's not funny anymore Well, I don't mind if this section's short because it's a short album and there's more to talk about on the other one anyway. But um, is Diane, which I believe is their most covered song. Really? Weirdly, yeah. Um, but I don't know if you read the lyrics. It's pretty... It's basically about... Uh, it's about this woman who was raped and murdered and it's sung from the point of the view, a view of the rapist murderer. Oh my God, so, <laughs> I didn't pay attention. <laughs> Yeah, oh, let me all right, let me recite the first verse if I can do it from memory. Um hey little girl, do you need a ride? I've got room in my wagon, why don't you hop inside? We could cruise down Robert Street all night long, but I think I'll just rape you and kill you instead. Jeez. Diane. Yep. <laughs> and Bob kind of seeing die <laughs> in the background. Um Why is this the most covered song? <laughs> I think it's well, I mean because it's, I guess, somewhat shocking, I guess. And I don't know. I think people like the, this, this one is like kind of a dirge with, again, that really metallic guitar sound. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. When, especially with the, with the lyrics, it adds another element to it. Um, but yeah, I don't know why it's their most covered song. I mean, I guess probably just because it's more provocative and, you know, that's always something people are going to go for. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Maybe easy, easy to play. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there was like this band therapy in the nineties who did a cover of it. And it was all kind of like with strings and stuff or synthesized strings. I don't fucking know. Is it better? No, I mean, well, I, it's one of those things where I grew up listening to or you know, whatever, listening to the original version. Right. So yeah, it's always hard when, you hear a cover version because you're so used to the original. Um, I'm I like... surprised you didn't bring this up for the 
the cover episode. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because I didn't necessarily think any of the covers I heard were that great. Um, oh, okay. I mean, they're all right, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know what it is about this one that that works, but it's also... It's kind of, like, split right down the middle between, like, the hardcore stuff and the pop stuff. I You couldn't call it pop, but it's different. At least it's not just, like, raging or anything. It's, it's yeah. definitely yeah. slowed tempos, and and there is some melody to it. So, um, I don't know. Not, not screaming. Yeah, I know. What did you think of this one? Uh, I, I think it got lost. When I was listening to the album, like, you know, uh, it's not funny anymore and real world kind of stood out. Yeah. And Diane kind of got lost, I guess, because near the end of this long, long album. This but long seven song EP. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's better than the hardcore stuff on the album anyway. Here, here yeah, is I agree. Diane. <laughs> expecting for you to hate this one although i don't see how anyone can hate it's not funny anymore no especially that but yeah i i feel like the other albums we've we've done have been more off-putting than this one i I, like i really like it's not funny anymore so i don't remember really really liking a song yeah yeah well i know you liked hardly getting over it um yeah i guess there was but yeah that's true but this i guess there's only seven songs too so uh yeah. Yeah. It, it, the music's so bad, and the and the track list is so short. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about warehouse songs and stories. We had a comrade, a brave comrade. He could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero Tried talking about Shamiro To computers wearing earphones He almost died for conversation Hallucinations, good vibrations Van Dyke Park's Greyhound Racing Steeplechasing, the Reformation Transubstantiation, Bram Stoker's creation The land of the Thracians and Right back to the start It's gonna take some time and 
we're back with Warehouse Songs and Stories, their last album, um, another double album. So between uh, Metal Circus, which was 83, and this album, which was 87, they they recorded six albums total, and two of them were double albums, so basically eight albums, um, which is a pretty crazy pace that you don't see these days. Um, maybe Guided by Voices keeps up with that. But, so, would you, since this is a double album, would you say one album is called Song and the other album is called Story? Sure. Let's say that. Um, and this album, <coughs> excuse me. So, this, uh, now I'll talk a little bit about the, the breakup stuff. So, on the, the eve of their tour for this album, their manager committed suicide, um, which was not a great start to it. And then, um, Grant Hart had a heroin addiction, which uh, was getting worse and worse. And I guess like at one of their last shows, uh, he was trying to use methadone to uh, so he could make it through the show. And he spilled it all down the sink or something. And I guess they had a really bad show. Um, and then so Bob canceled the rest of the dates. And uh, wow. they, yeah, they had a meeting and disbanded the group. Um, yeah, and Bob, like at this point, Bob had been, you know, they'd all, and when they started, they'd all like been taking speed and stuff. Um, and at this point, Bob had quit drinking and quit doing drugs. So he was, I guess, more serious. And they were also, this is all in that book, uh, this, Our Band Could Be Your Life. They were also kind of control freaks to an extent they didn't need to be to where like they were trying to handle all their booking and like they were hauling all their own equipment and everything. Um, well, they kind of had to be control freaks when everybody else is screwing them over and their that, manager's dying. That's true. I mean, he told a, a story in his autobiography, Bob, about uh, going to, uh, after playing a show, I think it was on this tour, and going to the um, club owner and asking for the money, and the club owner pulled out a gun and said, what money? <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, the music business, maybe not, maybe not the career for you. I'm, oh, I'm sure it's cleaned up by now. Must, I'm sure they're all beautiful people. Uh, so how old were they at this point? Uh, 27. All right. Around there, yeah. It's um, crazy to think that like, someone had a, a hardcore heroin addiction and was able to live life after that. You know, you th- hear so many people just kind of just stop. Yeah, and, and still make some great music. I mean, we did th- mm-hmm. that album, The Argument, which I think was really strong. Um, oh, yeah, that was awesome. And uh, there's actually a documentary on, uh, I can't remember if it's on Amazon streaming or Netflix, um, about Grant Hart that's fairly interesting. Um, he's not looking good, but, I mean, that's what happens when you were a junkie for a long time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um but it's an interesting story, kind of sad story. Um, but also, you know, it, it it's also kind of uplifting because it's like a story of somebody who got through shit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's worth a watch. Um, Wait, so there's Bob Will Grinhart. Is there anybody else? That yeah, was... Greg Norton, the bass player, kind of gets forgotten because they were, you know, I always make the comparison, but they were like the Lennon McCartney. You know, they did the songwriting and singing. Um Early on, he, like, co-wrote a couple songs, and then uh, for this album, he 
well, he got a B-side. Um, he wrote a B-side, which wasn't very good, but uh, they played it live on the tour just to give him a chance to sing. And did you see him on this tour? <sighs> no, uh, this was so. This was after soon after I broke up with my girlfriend, uh, my high school girlfriend. I saw they were coming. I was like so bummed out at that time. I was like, "Fuck it, I'll see them next time." Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, one of the big regrets. <laughs> so I was, I was, I thought it was a stupid question because I was like, "Well, maybe they canceled the tour by the t- time they came out there." But the the show actually happened. Yeah, yeah. No, they did. Okay. I mean, they did a fairly long tour. It was only a couple dates they canceled at the end. I see. But um, it's it, probably an awful show. <laughs> no, you I've missed. got, I've got the bootleg of it. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> well, I was trying to help. Anyway, th- this album, I feel like, uh, compared to Metal Circus, you, ex- aside from the vocals, you wouldn't even know it was the same band. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this one because there's not really any trace of punk to it. There's no screaming. Um, I feel like a fairly normal music fan could listen to this all the way through and enjoy it. Although it did take me a while to get into it. It's kind of like that critic, uh, Robert Christgau used the term overwhelming consistency to describe this (laughs) album, which I think is kind of true. Like it's hard for any songs to really stand out. They're all good at least. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and I, not only is there not yelling, but there's there's sections of the song where multiple people are singing at once, and it sounds good. Yeah, which is not something I would think from Metal Circus. No, no, yeah, they were, <laughs> that, that was not going to happen back then. <laughs> um, but yeah, what were your thoughts on the album just overall? I liked it. Yeah, it was enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, it's definitely more, it's definitely alternative rock instead of punk i think um at this point and even like pop some of it when did it come out 87 87 man yeah i don't know where it fits i don't know where where i was thinking it felt i guess 87 fits yeah came from and it's they nothing else nothing else at that time sounded like this no no definitely not um but you can see, I mean, it was a lot of stuff that came after it owed a debt to this, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, By this point, they were on Warner. So yeah. They were, yeah. They, so they, they made some money off of this. Yeah. This was their second album on Warner's Candy Apple Gray was the first. Um, so, yeah, I think they made some money off this. They, Although um, the label didn't want them to release a double album, but they insisted. So the label... Um, said that they were only going to pay them the price of a single album for for their uh, royalties and stuff. It's kind of fucked up, but... <laughs> what does that even mean? I mean... You make oh, more... Because oh, a double album costs more. Yes. So. Yeah, so you would make more, but they only got paid for a single album. Um, so yeah, really, I guess they just got fucked all the way through. Why didn't they just do two albums to get more money? Because <laughs> they're sellouts. Well, because... <laughs> Because Warner would would have wanted them to wait that uh, to right. release the second album, they want to like get as much promotion and shit out of an album as they can before they, yeah, yeah. you know, um, Elvis Costello ran into the same problems early on in his career. Uh, but yeah, so we picked a bunch of songs from this album, um, which is fair because it's a double. 
Uh, the first one. Basically, I, when I was listening to it, I would just click, you know, on your iPod or iPhone, you can click love on a song. So I just went back to list. And as I was listening to it, I didn't put a lot of, like, I didn't write down why I liked it. I just said, I like this one a lot. So Yeah, that's fine. I mean, how much can you say about songs? But... <laughs> yeah. who, who, whoever writes or thinks about songs. No one. Fools. Uh, this one you picked, uh, Standing in the Rain. Uh, another interesting thing about your picks on this one, uh, you picked more Bob songs. You only picked one Grant Hart song. You picked a bunch of Bob songs. So at this point, Bob was writing uh, more in line with his later stuff, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, I don't know if they're... Like you said, you you listen to this and you listen to, to Metal Circus and you don't know it's the same band, but I think if you listen to this and then you listen to the, his solo stuff and it's pretty clear it's the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he had he had learned to write actual songs. Um, well, I mean, that's not fair, but y- you know what I mean. Like, he learned mm-hmm. to write songs that were melodious all the way through, um, rather than just ragers. And, I mean, I think, to me, it took me a while to get into this album because it did lack the the harder edge, but uh, it became kind of like a uh, an affirmation album for me, like a... <laughs> like a self-help album. Uh, <laughs> uh, but this song, Standing in the Rain, I remember one of my friends, this was like after probably, I don't know, let's say 10 years of listening to the album, he goes, dude, I just realized that song, Standing in the Rain, it's about being stood up. I was like, yeah, no <laughs> shit, dude. That's like every single part of the lyric is about that. Um, but I just thought that's funny because you know how sometimes you don't realize what a song's really about. Yeah, even if it's obvious, it doesn't hit you till later. Yeah, um, but this is this is one of my favorites um, too, and I wish he would play it live now because he does some Who's Produce stuff, and he's never done this one. Um, I have a bootleg of him doing like a solo acoustic electric show, and somebody like shouted out for it, and he started playing it. He couldn't remember any of the words, so it's kind of. <laughs> I guess he doesn't like it that much. I, well, I know. I think it was just like so long since he played it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a song about being stood up. A great Bob Mould song, Standing in the Rain. Let's do it. Pat's pick.
next one is another Pat pick um, and another Bob Mould song. Ice Cold Ice. I guess a lot of people are expecting uh, a different song since it's the 80s. What? I don't get it. There's a there's an artist from the 80s called Vanilla Ice. Oh, was there? I, oh, that's... Um, Oh, that's that Van Winkle guy, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only way I know him by his by his Christian name. That Van Winkle guy, I think that's his Christian name. Um, yeah, ice cold ice. Uh, Bob's lyrics are always a little weird and like a little, I don't know. As I talked about before, like in some ways, I think they almost are written only to mean something to him and they're kind of <laughs> impenetrable. Uh, and this is kind of one of those. It's like more impressionistic, but I like the music. It's kind of like kind of dark, but also like driving our favorite word. It's got like dark undertones, but it's catchy. I, I, and this song makes me think of an REM song. Yeah. Not as oh, totally. Just the REM style. Yeah. Yeah. That just the whole sound. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What what the hell are we bothering talking about these songs for when we can play them? And we got <laughs> a bunch to play. Uh, let's just do it. Uh, ice Cold Ice. For some reason, this this reminds me, last week I was starting to tell you about there being a new Tina Fey show, and I couldn't remember what it was, and now I remember what it was, so she has a show, and it seems stupid, so I don't know if it's going to be any good, but it's Tina Fey, so it must be, but it's about a mother who starts working as an intern at her daughter's workplace. Oh, that is classic sitcom premise. Yep. Uh, What, do you remember what it's called? I don't know why. No, that's okay. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I thought that was the whole point that you remembered what it was. No, uh, just the premise is all I was going for. Because last week I couldn't <laughs> even remember the premise. Uh, prayer for a daughter? Nope. I don't know. Yeah, that can't be it. Um, <laughs> our next song is my pick. Uh, surprise! Another Bob Mould song. This was the single, or the first single anyway, from the album. Um, Could you be the one? And this one is basically. Power pop, I think. Um, catchy in a weird way. Like, that's the thing, too. I think that, just like with Robin Hitchcock, for some reason, I think 
they thought that this was going to play on the radio when it it wasn't like there wasn't there wasn't stuff on the radio like this being played at the time so um but it should have been yeah um well the, i think that the title sounds like something uh debbie gibson would be singing yeah oh i would have loved to hear a Deb, debbie gibson cover of this uh yeah could you be the one another one i don't really know what the hell he's talking about um but it's it's pure pop to me um not not even rock just just kind of it could have come out i don't know it could have come out by Badfinger or something in the 70s um <laughs> so uh let's give a listen could you be the one could you be the one they talk about hiding inside behind another dark Next, we have your pick, the only Grant Hart song picked today. Uh, she Floated Away, which is kind of like a sea shanty type of feel to it, with like some weird, uh, I don't know, free jazz parts thrown in at the beginning, like weird time signature shit. I think more sea shanties could, should be played on double albums. I agree. I mean, yeah, if you're going to go for like different stylistic stuff... Yeah, sea shanties, underrated. I used to go see, there's this uh, pub called The Lighthouse, which I guess used to be an actual lighthouse, um, in Alameda over here, where we went to the video game museum when you were here. Uh, wow. And uh, every Thursday, they would do, uh, there was this band, I guess you would call them, that just did sea shanties. Um, so they had a dude with a like a squeeze box. They had a stand-up bass. Um, this dude who had played tin whistle and stuff, and they did. Yeah, it was uh, some dude with acoustic guitar, and it was really fun. And there were free peanuts. <laughs> they don't do it anymore. They might. I don't know. I this was years ago. Um, who knows? Um, but yeah, it was it was always a good time. Um, yeah, this is this is a good song and. And uh, good vocals, good good production on this album. I think some people don't like it. I mean, it's yeah. what were you gonna say? I was gonna agree with you. It's very good production on this this song specifically, but on the album itself. Yeah, yeah, it's got kind of a wind tunnel production on some of it. But yeah, this this song especially, it sounds um, 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I think jazz when I think this song. It's maybe it's the production sound that reminds me of that. Um, but anyway, let's let's just play it. And the, the the start of this song has an interesting, like the the, the heavy drums combined with the I don't know. It's it's an interesting start. Yeah, with not... the with the weird time weirdly timed guitar yeah. kind of jagged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah jagged. It, that's the word I was reaching for. That's perfect. Uh, let's let's do it. She floated away. Grant Hart song. Great news. What'd you say? Great, great news. Oh, yeah. That's, the name, that's, that's the name of the show. Oh, great news. Starring and, Andrew, Andrea Martin. Okay, that could go either way. Um, I remember she had a show a while back where she kind of really overdid it. Um, but it's kind of like the kind of role you have to overdo it for, so who knows how it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, she was very broad on the show. That's all I know. <laughs> And I, I, I forget. There's someone in the ad who's like, "Oh, maybe it'll be good." So we'll see. Oh, the, oh, the guy that's in everything. I forget his name, but he, he played David Letterman in that in that that. Oh uh, yeah, the the uh, late night wars movie or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Damn, I thought when he said the guy was in everything, I was thinking Tudyk. That would have been nice, but. Um, does it say what? What uh, network it's on? NBC. Oh, okay, good. So it's not CBS. So that that's a plus. Well, you know, <laughs> I know we'll both watch it. So yeah, maybe we can do an episode on that. Um, all right, your pick, another one of your picks. I'm kind of surprised because this seems like a uh, I don't know a true fan song, but "Bed of Nails" by Bob Mould. I don't know. I'm waiting for you to tell me. Oh, anything. I thought you were just playing it right away and we weren't even going to talk about it at all. I could. But I, I feel I like making I... you twist on the line a little. <laughs> it just it was pleasant when I was listening to it. So It is. Yeah. I mean, lyrically, I it's not pleasant, but I d- none I of them pick are. Up on it. Yeah. Well, he's talking but... about lying on a bed of nails as a metaphor for his oh. life, so... Lying on a bed of nails, if you do it right, feels good. That's what they tell me. Um, and by they, I mean the freaks who live next door. Oh, That's... I thought you were going to say nail salesman. 
Oh, prob. I'm sure they they would say that. But no, I think the nail salesman. Um, that's a pretty that's a pretty rarefied job now. Um, you got to be a pro. And the other thing in this song that I enjoyed was when he kind of like went off the. La, la. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Melodic yelling. Yes, melodic um, yelling that that add definitely adds uh, a hint of urgency to it without going overboard. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Um, well, let's let's play it for the good people. Here's Better Nails. I don't know if I'm right or if, if I'm just hearing things, but it sounds like he was like experimenting. I don't know if experimenting, but his like the things he was doing with his voice are different. Like he tries to do different things in this album compared to even later stuff. Yeah, I think that you're, no, that's definitely true. I think he probably at this point you can kind of hear that he feels more confident as a singer. So I think he's. I think that was always a problem for him early on. Um, like if you listen to their first demos, which aren't aren't available legally, um, even the songs he wrote, he had Grant Hart sing. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, at this point, I feel like he felt like he could actually he'd found a way to sing with his voice, and and so yeah, it was more experimental, I guess, uh, than the early. I mean, the early stuff was just kind of screaming and shouting, so. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, speaking of Bob's voice, my pick, It's Not Peculiar, is the next song. And it's pretty depressing lyrically, but I like I just like the uh, 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 all right. Like, <laughs> that's really cool. Um, and if you if you go read the words, um, they're not going to be uplifting, but uh, another one with this... good production sound, I think. And this is another one that has a start that's fun. Like, dun, 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 dun. I like that. Yeah, where the guitar follows the... I mean, his his uh, singing follows the guitar later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that that staccato kind of stuttered thing. Um, yeah, here. All for you. It's not peculiar. Here you go. Sometimes we 
All right, and the last one, uh, another one of my picks. I think no. this might be the the best Husker Du album. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's really hard for me just because of my history. So like, so much of it is like the time that I listened to it. But um, I really grew to love this album over time. And now that's what I meant to ask. I forget if we we talked about it. What did fans think of this? Is this kind of they're okay with it, or is it too far away? I think it was too far away for a lot of the fans, but you know, they also, I mean, they also had fans that were willing to go along with this kind of stuff. I think to a lot of fans initially, it sounded um, like it lost its edge, but when you listen more, it's, I mean, it's a more mature album, but it's still, it's still them. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it's one that like grows over time. Like I was saying with me, I think a lot of fans like came to, appreciate it it's definitely the most consistent like i was saying earlier like you can listen to it straight through there's not a song where you're like ugh, noise i'm gonna fast forward (laughs) i agree with that they're all songs so this is i just realized this is 30 years old oh yeah where's the reunion tour (laughs) maybe your new manager could commit suicide Oh, that was was that manager their age or was he an older guy like no he was he was their age so it was a, it was a suicide not an OD? No, he jumped off a bridge. Um, oh man! Yeah, he he was like a friend of theirs, I think, you know, and then and they made him their manager because they decided they needed a manager when they signed to a major label, I guess. Um, yeah. And was there stuff going on in his life, or is it just suicide? I haven't heard a lot about that. Um, I don't know. Maybe dealing with them <laughs> probably didn't help. Um, I, I mean, and you have to think that 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 happening didn't help Grant Grant Hart and his addiction. Yeah, no, I can't imagine. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's too bad. It was, they could have gone on. Although, I mean, I don't think they ever would have been big, even if they went on. Like, because by the time Nirvana came out, I think Husker Du probably wouldn't have been doing that kind of music anyway. You know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um. But anyway, no reservations. Um, I like this one a lot. I think the guitar on it is almost like no melody. It's like a weird drony sounding thing, like through the verse. Um, it's just kind of fuzzy, rising and swelling sound more than anything. Um, and his vocal kind of carries the melody. But um, it's, I think, maybe the first actual love song Bob Mould wrote. Um, it's kind of depressing at, at first with the chorus, like never changes the things I feel inside, sit by a lake and cry. But then, you know, at the end it's, um, come along with me. We'll go to places we had never seen. And if we're together, we'll have a happy time because I've got no reservations. That's pretty good love song material. Um, yeah. Anyway. And I like the little dink, dink guitar during the come along with me part. Just a good song. Yeah, and I I think this song is more than a lot of songs what he sounds like later. Yes, and he still plays this one live occasionally. So, yeah. Um, Here we go. No Reservations. We made it. 
I listen to Sound of Evil. Yeah, no, it's it's a good one. Um, I can't guarantee I'll listen to the entirety of Metal Circus ever again for the rest of my life. No, just, just put a uh, it's not funny anymore playlist. Yeah, that's that is, I would like to hear that remastered, and I'd also like to hear someone else do it, a version of it. Because I think it it would be interesting to hear another version. The cover of it. I wish that was covered more than Diane. Although I will look up that one you're talking about to hear what that sounds like. Oh, yeah, therapy. Um, therapy question mark. So. Is that really therapy? Yeah. Um, is. Horatio Sands is in the show. Oh, so that's another that's positive. Plus, yeah. Yeah. Um, Alright, yeah, well, I guess it's just a It's too amazing all along. Hopefully it's not a laugh back. NBC's not doing that. It has Nicole Richie in it, so I don't know what you, how you feel about that. Yeah. Well, compliments to the chef. I was on the line, Richie. Um, Alright, yeah, I don't know what we're doing next week. I think we, at some point we're going to have Steve Mack's back. But I won't say it yet. Um, we'll talk about it off here. Do I know about this idea we might have? Yeah, it's one we, we talked about, oh, okay. about two reprehensible okay. Uh, okay. audio programs. Yeah. Maybe we can try that. Um, anyway, uh, I guess that does it for that. So you want to go into recommendations? Recommendations. recommendations, recommendations. And you can go first because I have no idea. All right. I'm going to... We just went last night to uh, PFA, Pacific Film Archive, and saw L'Argent by Robert Bresson. And I have now seen two of his movies, and he holds a unique place because both movies have been uh, legitimately great movies that I think people should see that you could not pay me to watch again. (laughs) Um, this is a great recommendation. It's, I mean, you would understand if you saw it, but like, it's just too, like when you walk out of this movie, when we got like the only honest response you can have is, holy fuck, Jesus. (laughs) And like, I don't even want to say what, like it, here's how it was described in the program. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but like, um, the, a counterfeit, a counterfeit bill gets passed off, and um, it follows the lives of the people affected by the counterfeit bill, which is kind of true for part of it. And then it, like, then it just goes places you don't expect it to go, which I always like in movies. Like, I didn't know where it was going, and yeah. then where it ended up, I really didn't expect, and it was, I was just, oh god, um, <laughs> this dude made movies for like 50 years this was his last film and uh he knew what the fuck he was doing but yeah if you want uh it's it's like almost magical his ability to do what he did with this movie and i I, like if i even described it it wouldn't make sense you just have to see it but um yeah l'argent the other one i saw of his was uh oh hazard balthazar um which is they say it's like the story of jesus retold it as a donkey, but I, I didn't really get the Jesus stuff so much when I watched it, but that was another one where I was like, oh, yeah, that was, that was genius, and I can't watch that again. So, 
I don't know. That's some kind of achievement. Um, yeah, Larjon. Oh, you know what? I'll recommend another one that we watched on, uh, we bought during the Criterion sale, which is Yee Yee, which was by the Yee Yee. I don't know if I pronounced that uh, audibly, but uh, by the same guy who did A Brighter Summer Day, which I recommended before. Um, this one is only three hours as opposed to Brighter Summer Day, which is four hours. So basically a walk in the park. <laughs> um, it's a, a family see you say it's a family drama about like this family in taiwan it's one of those like you have to watch it it's not going to sound good when you describe it but it's amazingly good um yee yee and i wish i could remember the, the director's name right now um i'd like to see more of his stuff but uh, he's dead now uh but yeah really amazing so that's it two uh two arty films for you where you gotta read well, forget that. I'll wait for the dubbed versions to come out. <laughs> Those are always the best, aren't they? Yep. There is a, a, a soap opera kind of, I don't know if it was a soap opera or a movie, but it was something from, I don't know, Brazil, maybe another country. And it was dubbed. Wait, was it dubbed? Yeah, it was, it was just weird what they did. It, oh, I know it was, it was dubbed. And, but if you read the subtitles, they're not it, saying read, what they're saying. No, like the subtitles yeah. were based on the Italian. <laughs> I can't remember the, the Spanish, whatever country it was from. I can't actually remember what country, but it was just so bizarre. And the meaning is the same, but sometimes the subtitles sound much better, and I don't know why they didn't use that for the dubbing. <laughs> anyway, I think uh, I can't think of anything, so I'm going to go with a, uh, a podcast I like called – well, actually, there's a whole series from this Story Wonk guy, and he takes story, different – Sorry, Story what? Story Wonk, W-O-N-K. Story Wonk, okay, gotcha. And he takes uh, different different – pieces of like fiction and he he delves into the story and rips out what's good about it and what's why it makes a good story so he there's he has he has a whole series on all the star wars movies he has something on harry potter he has just mostly that kind of stuff he, he goes through um veronica mars and, and just talks about that and i've only listened to a couple of the star wars ones and uh two or three of the harry potter ones but it's it's fun he definitely i think does a good job of of taking the parts of the story out of why they are well told and he doesn't pull punches he he, he talks about why things don't work and they should work they could work better so yeah and he he, def, he, he likes what he's talking about and that comes through when he talks about them so yeah. what's, wait what's the name of the podcast uh they all have different names it's like the story wonk network like Harry Potter's called Dear Mr. Potter or Harry Potter oh I Seminar. see they're different actual different series for each yeah oh gotcha right. Kind of like a, I guess it's kind of like a network where he's, it's, as far as I know, it's just one guy, but maybe it's different people, but I've only heard this one guy with this kind of a, a weird amalgamation of accents. I, I don't know if he's British or from New Zealand, but it, it doesn't sound quite right, whatever, <laughs> wherever he's from. Yeah. But it, he, I think his insights are, are interesting and he, he knows what he's doing when he's talking about story. Oh, I'd be really interested to listen to Veronica Mars. Yeah, I should try that one out. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know how. How good those are, but I assume they're great because Veronica Mars is great. You gotta finish watching it first. Nah. Eh. I, yeah, I that's, that's they're supposed yeah. to They're supposed to bring it back again. They always talk about bringing it back again, like not for you know, just like for a Netflix show or another movie. Yeah, I would be totally down. And I don't know when I Zombie's coming back. It's coming back soon. Um, I think, I think it actually comes back next week, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I, 
I love that show, and I really wish the uh, like that's one that if they drop it, I hope Netflix picks it up because that needs to go on. I think it's really good. Like we even rewatched the entire series because you don't realize how complicated the whole story gets, <laughs> yeah. but it does. So, and I think I. This show did something well, and the Josh Whedon shows did this pretty well sometimes, where the end of the season just entirely changes the tenor of the show. So it yes. makes it really looking forward to what the next season is going to be like. Yeah, so you're caught up. Yeah. Now, that yeah, last episode of that last season was insane. Uh, yeah. And it, it seemed to take a not a tone shift, but the, end, the last few episodes of that second season were so funny. So much funnier than the earlier episodes. It was, I, I just felt like somebody new was writing the episodes and doing a better job at, at the humor. It was just, yeah. it, it was all of a sudden near the end of the season where it happened. I agree. I love that they got Rob Thomas on there. Yeah. Oh, that was so <laughs> stupid but funny. Uh, the show was created by Rob Thomas, a different Rob Thomas, not the Matchbox 20 singer, obviously. So but that's what we're talking about. People would often confuse the two. So it, yeah. It, sense for rob thomas to bring rob thomas to be on rob thomas's show um all right uh write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com like us on facebook rate us highly on itunes and most importantly tell your friends to listen because we are great um we've and we're coming up i know i keep saying it i mean i guess it'll still be over a month but episode 200 we got to figure out something for that 200 yeah. Man. Listeners, you got any ideas? Send them to us. Um, Subject heading 200. Yeah. Or the 300, if you want to talk about that movie. That's fine, too. Yeah. Yep. I haven't seen it, but I'll listen to you. It's Zack Snyder. You know how he, he went on to do great things. Nothing but. Um, yeah. All right. I guess that will do it. Uh, we Have might... you seen the trailer for Justice League? No. Doesn't Wait, look back. is it a movie? Uh, yeah, so uh, right after they finished filming Batman vs. Superman, they jumped right into filming Justice League, which has Batman, The Flash, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman, and Cyborg. Are they... Oh, Cyborg? He's a Teen Titan. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know what's going on with DC Universe, but... <laughs> are they... They're not, like, by any chance using The Flash from uh, the TV series to play him in the movie... That would make so much, too much sense. So no, it's someone. Okay. Well, because you know, for Marvel, they used uh, Agent Coulson from the movies in the TV show. So. Yeah, but DC didn't want to do that, so that's all. Even though the the TV, well, I guess TV popular is not movie popular, so they didn't want to transfer over. Plus, well, if you, uh, it's not dark enough. I don't know. No, but no, the answer to your question now. But and Zack Snyder's involved in this one as well. Yep, directed. You'd think it, they would learn something, but... Well, the problem is it was too late. The, right? I mean, they were working on this movie when Batman vs. Superman got panned, critically. Uh, and it's it still made... It didn't make a billion, but it made almost a billion. It made a lot of money, but money, I don't think yeah. it, made, it didn't make as much as they thought or wanted it to. So we'll see. And they have Wonder Woman's coming first, and then Justice League. So we'll, Wonder Woman, I think, is going to be a big deal. For yeah. where the series is going, I'm but. gonna, I'm really interested in that one and hoping that they don't fuck it up. But yeah, me too. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Uh, I guess that's it. Until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.